This is Cannabis Uncut, the podcast where we dissect the cannabis plant and the cannabis industry, answering the questions that you want answered. I'm your host, Andrew Barnes. Hello and welcome to episode one of Cannabis Uncut. This is your new podcast where over the next 10 weeks of what will hopefully just be season one, we will be picking one topic at a time, asking our experts the questions that you ask Google. The what's, the why's, the how's and the who's. No question is stupid, especially in the cannabis world, because there is so much misinformation so many years of persecution and so little education. If you have asked it, so will we. We are joined by our resident expert, the man who can answer your questions better than Google can, Professor Michael Barnes. Welcome. Thank you very much. Now you don't know the format at all and you don't even know the first topic yet, but welcome. So, We're going to start this episode, like all the ones to come, by setting the scene. So the topic of episode one is endocannabinoids. So to start off, before we ask the questions that you have asked Google, in a maximum of 60 seconds, are you able to set the scene for us? What are endocannabinoids? Yes, 60 seconds, go. Endocannabinoids are the cannabinoids that we produce in our own body. Nothing at all to do with the plant. Uh, All humans, all vertebrates, in fact, all animals with a backbone produce these chemicals called endocannabinoids. Uh, A couple of names uh, that are best known are anandamide and 2-AG. If you happen to come across them, it doesn't really matter. There's more than that. Uh, We produce those endocannabinoids and they interact with our own brain and nervous system to produce a whole variety of functions, which we can go through, no doubt, uh, in the next questions. Perfect. Who needs 60 seconds? 30 seconds. Beautiful intro. Thank you very much. So um, we will also start with another standard question before we get into the the what you've asked Google. So in your travels around the cannabis world, what do you think the general public, Susan and David Smith, so they're the most common names in the UK, what does Susan and David know about what endocannabinoids are? I think Susan and David would know absolutely nothing whatsoever about endocannabinoids, and they shouldn't be ashamed or confused about that because most doctors also know absolutely nothing about endocannabinoids. It's a, well, it's the most widely prevalent system that controls all the nervous function in our body, uh, but surprisingly, it's very little talked about and very little known about, certainly to the general public completely agree so let's see what susan and david have asked google when they are trying to find out a little bit more about what endocannabinoids actually are so the most asked question in google is a very simple one what do endocannabinoids do okay less than 60 seconds again no Um, you can take as long as you like in this section oh okay thank you um Endocannabinoids control nervous function. I'll explain how they do that. All our body, uh, all our body movements, uh, our, our legs, our fingers, our eyesight, our hearing, our thinking, um, our heartbeat, uh, our bowel movements are all controlled by nervous 
functions, the nervous system in the body. Those nerves are controlled in turn by chemicals called neurotransmitters that pass the nerve signal from one nerve to the next. I'm sure many people have heard of some of those neurotransmitters. Uh, dopamine is one that is deficient in Parkinson's disease. Serotonin, people might have heard of. Opioids, people might have heard of. Noradrenaline or adrenaline. So they're quite well-known chemicals that subserve different bodily functions. Between them all, there's about 100 of them all together, they move and work our entire body. The endocannabinoid system is the system that controls those neurotransmitters. The, that's the system that switches off those neurotransmitters. When their job is done, they need switching off, just like a light switch. Uh, you know, a light switch could be switched on to turn the light on. That's fine. But when you want the light off, you need to switch it off. And the endocannabinoid system is the switch off uh, of the whole nervous system. And the endocannabinoids therefore have a major role to play in controlling all our bodily functions. And to divert slightly into cannabis, the cannabinoids in the cannabis plant interact with that system. And therefore the cannabis plant also can potentially have a wide ranging role in a whole variety of different bodily functions. Unlike uh, some pharmaceuticals, which are sort of targeted to just one function, cannabis, the endocannabinoids, the phytocannabinoids in the plant control a whole multitude of bodily functions. Perfect. Thank you very much. So the second question is, where do endocannabinoids come from? Uh, well, they're made in the body, so they come internally, if you like. We, they're not part of our diet. There are our enzymes that make the endocannabinoids from their substrate chemicals, uh, basic chemicals that are put together by enzymes in our body to make the endocannabinoids when they're needed. They don't sit there waiting for the job to do. They don't sit there twiddling their fingers. They're made on demand by the nerves. And uh, when they're made, they're released into the nervous system where they do their job of switching off that nerve transmission. So they come from us, they come from internally, and they're just made normally, if you have a good, solid, balanced diet, you'll be able to make endocannabinoids. Indeed, if you didn't, you wouldn't exist. So when we say made on demand, if we're kind of yes. picking one rando endocannabinoid that's just been made in, in, a, in Susan's body uh, yes. a few seconds ago, how long will that last roughly? What's the life cycle of an endocannabinoid before it's kind of broken down? Oh, less than a second. Uh, it's made in one of the nerves. It moves across a little boundary between the nerves to link with the other nerve. And as soon as it's linked with the other nerve, it, that switches off the signal and their job is done and they're broken down again to their component parts. So they will last less than a second, milliseconds. So they have no long life. They're very, very short and just made for our bodily demands. Okay, so I mean, they're not unable to achieve a great deal in their lifetime, but hopefully it's slightly fulfilling. Um, right, so the next question is, when are endocannabinoids released? What actually triggers them? When are they released? Well, to answer that, I'll just go back slightly without getting too confusing. If, let's take a silly example, if you think you want to move your finger, you think in the brain, a nerve transmission comes down from the brain into the into the neck in this example. It then links with a nerve in the neck and the signal goes, shoots down the nerve in the arm to move the finger. That's as simple as that. But those nerves, the nerves where they meet in the neck, they don't actually physically touch. 
There's a little gap between them. It happens to be called a synaptic cleft. It doesn't really matter what it's called. It's a tiny little gap. And when the nerve signal comes down the first nerve, uh, when it reaches that synaptic gap, a little packet of chemicals, those neurotransmitters we talked about, is released. They cross that little cleft, that little gap, and link with the second nerve, which fires the signal off. The nerve signal goes down the nerve and you wiggle your finger. The endocannabinoids come into play as soon as they detect that signal arriving at the second nerve. They, they realize the signal's there. They're made on demand immediately. And we're talking about milliseconds here. They don't, have to, they don't have to wait and finish their cup of tea. They just are made instantly. They cross back across that little gap, that synaptic cleft, to link with receptors on the other side. And as soon as they, those chemicals link with those receptors, it switches off the nerve signal. So it's a, it's a switch off mechanism. It's a modulator. It just controls the, the signal and then you stop wiggling your finger. It's as, uh, it's, that's oversimplistic, obviously it is, but it's basically how the system works. So if there was a light switch equivalent yep. for every single thing within your house, which I suppose technically there is, are yes. the endocannabinoids the actual turning of that light switch on and off for every single different thing within the house, if your body was a house? If your body was the house, they wouldn't turn any signals on, but they'd turn all the signals off. So every light switch, whatever that switch, whatever that electrical socket does in the house, the current is turned on by whatever mechanism, by thinking in the brain or whatever, or switching a signal on. Uh, the endocannabinoid is the switch off. It switches the light switch off. It switches the power circuit off. So it stops happening what that uh, previous action has, has, has enacted. It's a switch off, not a switch on. Thank you very much. So this one is kind of been mentioned but um it's going into it a little bit more so the next question would be are endocannabinoids stored in the body so we've mentioned that the life cycle yeah. a typical endocannabinoid is incredibly incredibly short but is the body always doing some kind of process to make them so will your body ever have no endocannabinoids in it no because even when you're asleep the body is still working and still functioning, still nervous transmission going on to keep your heart beating, to keep you breathing. Uh, when you wake up in the night to look, to go to the toilet, to look, to hear, to listen, the body is always, always 24 hours a day is working. Otherwise, frankly, you'd be dead. Uh, and if the body is working all the time, the endocannabinoids are being formed all the time and broken down all the time. So there's never a time when there's no endocannabinoids because that would imply that the, none of the nerves are working and basically you'd be dead. So, but they're not stored. There's no endocannabinoid reserve at all. They're just made on demand, do their quick job and within a second, they're gone again. So the more that your body is doing at that particular amount of time, at that particular point in time, yes. the more endocannabinoids you will have at that precise moment. So in yeah. terms of, uh, a pie chart of when your body has the most at night when you're maybe in in REM sleep would probably be the time when you have the lowest amount because your body is doing yeah. the least amount of work. Yes. But when, yeah, when you're doing something physical, running, you're engaging most of the body muscles in that action. That's a lot of energy from the nervous system moving those muscles. When you're thinking, uh, when you're perhaps writing an essay at school or looking at a computer, um, you know, you're still engaging a multitude of nerves, even if you're not actually moving. 
So yeah, when you're doing something in the daytime, it doesn't have to be physical exercise, it can be mental exercise. That's the time when the endocannabinoids are at their maximum. And you're quite right. At night, at sleep, when you're quiet, when the room's quiet, uh, they're probably at their minimum. Brilliant. OK, so two last questions. Yes. This one may be tricky to answer because I doubt anyone's actually counted them. But one of the most asked questions in Google was how many endocannabinoids are there? So that could mean different types or it could mean total. Uh, I think probably no one knows the grand total in terms of weighing them or anything remotely like that. Um, we know there's two main endocannabinoids. I mentioned those earlier. One's called anandamide, which happens to be Sanskrit for joy or bliss. It's a quick pub quiz uh, diversion there. The other one is called 2AG, which is short for a long, complicated name, which I won't bother to say. Um, but there are probably eight or ten others uh, called N-acylatholamines, for what it's worth, in various shapes and sizes. So we don't know for certain, and there's probably many that are not yet discovered, but say there's about 10 different chemicals that act as endocannabinoids and do the job I've just described. Um, and they are all just um, instantly made and instantly degraded again once they've done their very quick job. I'm going to have a go at 2AG. It's 2-arachydonylglyceryl... I've failed there, haven't I? To arachidonyl glycerin <laughs> acid, something similar to it's, that. It's 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 similar to that. I think I similar think you and uh, and uh, John and Susan, whoever they were, should stick to two AG really. Two AG, two AG. Yeah. We'll, we'll stick to yeah. that. We'll stick, to, stick that. to that. So the last question yes. is: How do endocannabinoids affect the brain? Um, well, they don't just affect the brain to start with. As I said, they affect anywhere in the body where there's a nerve, which is over the entire body, there are endocannabinoids. They're all over the place. Um, if you want to break it down a little bit crude, a little bit simplistic, what do they mainly do? Well, they mainly have a sort of modulating, a calming down effect as part of their switch-off mechanism. So if there's a pain in the body, uh, it will act as an analgesic, it will act to calm the pain down. If you're anxious, it will calm the anxiety down. Um, so you can think of all the things that uh, stimulate the body, if you like. The endocannabinoid system is a destimulator, a relaxer, a calmer, a modulator. Um, and that's basically how it works. There's lots of different things you could go through. I mean, if you've got muscle spasm, it relaxes muscle spasm, for example. There's lots of different individual things they do. But if you basically think of the endocannabinoid system as the calmer downer, the quieter downer, the it's called homeostasis. It keeps the body in a sort of even keel. That's basically what they do. Perfect. Thank you very much. So they were the most asked questions that the random person on the street wanted to know about the endocannabinoid system. So thank you for that journey into the endocannabinoid system uh, from Professor Michael Barnes. Do you have any final thoughts, any kind of lasting thing that you that you think people need to know about what endocannabinoids are? Well, I think we need to, people need to know the detailed neuroscience. I mean, why would they want to? I think it would be lovely to see if the public generally just heard the word, they heard the one-liner that it's, it's in everyone's body, it calms things down, it's a, it's a balancer. 
It's a, it keeps people on an even keel. If they just know that and recognize that, and then extrapolate from that to the fact that the cannabis plant interacts with that same system, they will begin to realize why the cannabis plant may have such a very, very useful myriad of potential uses, like as a painkiller, like as anti-anxiety, like anti-epilepsy, all those things it does because it interacts with that endocannabinoid system, which interacts in turns with all bodily functions. That quick statement, uh, I think it would be lovely for the public to be much more aware of. And then those who are a bit cynical about cannabis would realise actually all it is is a simple chemical factory that interacts with our own invaluable endocannabinoid system. Perfect. Thank you very much indeed. That was Cannabis Uncut. Please join us next week for another section of the cannabis industry with Cannabis Uncut. That was Cannabis Uncut. Remember to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This was brought to you by Tincture Taylor. Head over to tinctureTaylor.com now for a unique range of cannabinoid and terpene tinctures.